Lord says that his covenant is not the old covenant. Okay? You've been given ten old commandments for the old man. Yes. And that's a death covenant. Okay? So here's, here's, what I, here's what I want you to do. This song brought this to me again. Here's your new ten commandments. Forgiven, beloved, hidden in Christ, made in the image of the giver of life, righteous and holy, reborn and exchanged, accepted and worthy. That is your new name. That's the new covenant. You belong to Him. We, I read this morning where Jesus is challenged. The religious of the day come to him and they say, what, about, what happens in the resurrection? Whose wife is she? Things like that. He says, you, you don't know what you're talking about. He says, because God is not the God of the dead. We don't have a dead covenant. He is God of the living. And because of those ten new, new parts of the covenant, You are alive forevermore. Evermore. God is not God of the dead. Anything having to do with that old stuff is dead. But you are new and alive. Amen. You know, this song, uh, I believe, was inspired by the Holy Ghost. This Jason Gray and Joel Hansen, I know that they didn't do this on their own. They were inspired by the Holy Ghost to write this. And and we're singing this, and I, th- what came back to my memory was that the old man, the old man never can believe. The old man, I, we thought we were believing. We thought we were in belief, believing. But the old man cannot ever believe. And so, unless we are in that new creation, which is in Christ, if we're not in that new creation, in that new exchange of believing, that we cannot believe. It, we are not in belief if we're in the old man. So, go ahead. Um. <clears throat> If, if y'all could sit for just a minute. Um, Cecil and I had a house. And we were under contract. We were within those 10-day window where we had the house inspected, termite inspection, um, hydrostatic test, gas inspection, and we were about to send out somebody to look at the foundation. And... Uh, Cecil called me Friday morning said uh, they found a small leak under one of the bathrooms in the house. But it wasn't that big of a deal. They, would, they were going to isolate it, and the sellers were going to pay to fix it. And then a few hours later, the realtor calls me back, and she says, I know Cecil's at work, so I'm calling you. She said, I'm getting you all out of this contract as fast as I can. And I said, I was just shocked. Why? I mean, this was the house. We had looked for eight weeks every weekend looking at houses and this was one of those houses we'd walked in the very first house we walked into eight weeks later we walked back into that house and it was like wow we're home this is it so I was shocked and she said yeah they went to isolate that leak but it turns out that it's the whole house and it's going to cost them thirty thousand dollars to get it fixed and I just went you know okay well she said I'll have Cecil sign a piece of paper to get y'all out of that contract And I thought, gosh, was God looking out after us? You know, the Holy Spirit, he sees what is underneath. And he will make sure that it comes to the surface. And that is a word for some of you out there. And when I said it, it resonated with you. And there's going to be more than one of y'all. So you know this word's for you if, when I said that, that the Holy Spirit sees what is underneath, and he makes sure that it comes to the surface, that you immediately thought of a situation in your head, in your life, 
Who is that? Can you please stand? You know this word's for you. If you're sitting there and your heart's pounding and you're uncomfortable and you're a little bit antsy and your palms are sweaty, who's that? You know this word's for you. If you're arguing with yourself, is this word for me? Is this word really? I don't know if that's word for me. Maybe it is for me. Who is that? You can stand too. Okay. Well, here is the fun part. Is there somebody here that has always wanted to give a prophetic word? Anybody? You've always wanted to give a prophetic word. Ashley, then come up. Okay, based on what I said, that the Holy Spirit sees what's underneath, and he, brings to, he always brings to the surface. And not knowing these people's situations, you're going to have the prophetic word for them. Okay? So whatever you hear God say to these people standing, whatever you see, I want you to speak out, Okay? trouble hearing God a lot and the only thing that really comes to my mind is hope right now because I know that everyone gets down at some point and something happens that just makes life hard makes you want to give up but God says hope there's hope in everything he does Jesus, I ask that you can <clears throat> that you can give them hope and just make their mindset be on you, God, that they'll follow the path to you and make all their problems come to the surface and be fixed. Because <clears throat> there's hope and love and peace in you, God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. And before y'all sit down, before you sit down, is there anybody else that you you hear a word for these particular people? I don't know if this is a word for you guys in particular. Um, it was a word that God gave me, and I thought maybe it was just for me, but um, this last week. And um, the scripture, and Dorman can tell you where it's at, but it's... Um, Paul was talking about all the things he'd gone through, the shipwrecks and all that kind of stuff, and the beatings and the um, the concern he had for the churches. And but at the end of that, he said, "None of these things, none of these things move me. Neither count on my life dear, that I may finish the race that is set before me. I believe with joy." And I was thinking about that scripture, and it was like God gave me a picture of a bulldog, and he had a hold of this rag, and he wouldn't. You know, you've seen. Dogs play with things, and, they, and it was like this bulldog dog had a heart, hold of this rag, and he wouldn't let go. You know, you'd pull it, and he would just hold holding on with all for all he's worth. You could drag him around with it, and um, that's the picture God gave me concerning um, the things God gives us, and that's how we need to hold on to His promises and hold on to hold on to Him, and not, um, you know. All the things that he had gone through, all the things Paul had gone through, it was like he 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 said, "I don't care what else. I don't care." It was like I don't care about all that other stuff. I don't care about all the junk that I'm going through. I'm holding on, and I'm not letting go. And um, I think that's a word that God's maybe given you guys. Um, given he, it was a word that God gave me that that that's the um, I don't know the right word, but that's the 
the absolute total abandonment that we need to grab hold of God with. And the, and the perseverance, or the, I don't know if that's the right word, but the, the, um, the tenacity, I guess. You know, when, when you feel like you're, you've gone as far as you can go, you grab hold and you grab you stay. You say, I'm not giving up. I'm going on farther. And um, I don't know. I hope that encourages you guys. Ashley, you do hear from the Lord because hope is what they need. Hope is the building block. It, the hope and faith is that sure foundation. If we don't have that to build on, we, we fall. It says to, that we need to build on the rock, which is Jesus, not the sinking sand. And so hope is what we all need. And whatever your need is that you have, he is giving you the hope that you need. Each one of y'all that stood Amanda, he's giving you that. It's there. Dennis. Michelle. You. Justice. He is giving this to you. And, and that hope is there because it, you, it's, you're going to be stronger. You want to come up here? This is a short line. Well, I was sitting there, and I just keep thinking a coffee pot. Uh, and then I was thinking of a coffee pot, and uh, the water gets heated up. And when the heat is on, the water begins to bubble up through the coffee. And that is the Lord. That's his promises. That's his truth. And as the water, which is where we live, gets heated we go filtering up through the coffee, and in the end, we have a delightful drink to pass out to others. Amen. Amen. This morning, by supernatural divine intervention, I wound up with this little pink card in my pocket. <laughs> now, I normally don't carry pink cards in my pocket, but it happened. Now, Justice, I'm telling you, the enemy is trying to shut you up and shut you down. And you need to make a decision whether you're going to open your mouth and speak or you're going to keep your finger in your nose and think about it. (laughs) I'm telling you that you are a prophet in the body of Christ and we have not heard from you in some time. And the time has changed for you today. It is time today, right now. And I release off of you these things that have shut you down and shut you up. And some of these friends and relationships that tried to kind of like pull you here and there and all this, the other. And the devil tells you that you've misbehaved too much and you can't speak anymore. That's a lying spirit. And I'm telling it to hush right now in Jesus' name. And I free you from that right now. And just lift your hands and shake that off right now in Jesus' name. Yes, hallelujah. We need the young lions to roar in Jesus' name. And we declare this one is roaring right now. Now, Amanda, I'm telling you right now, the word says hope deferred makes the heart sick, but when that desire has come, you keep hanging on because that desire is right here at your door. And I'm telling you right now, we're speaking a funeral to that thing. Bury that thing, move on, and let it go, and let's get on with living. We've had enough of dying, and it's time to live in Jesus' name. See, hope deferred, that's got your mama's name in it. Mama ain't deferred anymore. The joy is coming in Jesus' name. And I release you from that spirit of grief and depression right now. And I'm telling you to loose our sister right now and let her go. And we stand in the gap for her and we declare that she is going to worship and sing because the turtle dove is singing over you again this morning. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. You too? Distractions have come in the house. And you two as parents need to take authority over those things and get them out in Jesus' name. It is divinely controlled and manipulated the move of the water. And Holy Ghost wants the water hose on. And the enemy is trying to turn it off in Jesus' name. So I declare that that season is over right now in Jesus' name. In fact, come up here and get this thing. I'm going to give this to you. 
You need to go anoint that house and put this heart on the doorway of that household and say, in Jesus' name, your assignment is over. Loose my kids and let them go. Because the love of God cannot, cannot, cannot be thwarted when it is part of the covenant. And I declare right now that it is a covenant-breaking spirit trying to steal your joy and keep your kids out of the kingdom. And I declare an end to that thing right now in Jesus' name. That season is over and your time has changed and that voice needs to be heard again in Jesus name thank you father yes lord oh yes lord thank you Jesus yes amen oh yes lord thank you lord I get this organized for about a week uh, what to say because I knew this time was coming but I, I just can't get it balanced out right but essentially I told Dorman that uh when uh, we were visiting on our Tuesday meetings I've gone to for 12 years, that uh, the words that he spoke and then Wayne followed up with similar words of releasing. And um, I've been a faithful man all my life. But sometimes that's bondage. (laughs) I was taught, and I was taught well, and uh, so I did everything I was asked to do. But as I looked at the words that these guys were saying out of of God's word, then I looked and I said, my goodness, I've done everything just perfect, but it's bondage. I prayed for 28 years, an hour a day in my regular language, an hour a day in tongues. I read the Bible an hour, two hours a day for probably 35 years. And uh, even when I was sick and was called upon to go to church, uh, I was a church orchestra director of a church of 2,500. And uh, had temperature of 102, you just went and did it. Well, it was required. Do you understand the word required? I had to be there. I should have been there. I was sick. Christians don't get sick. Did you know that there are people, I went to a home one night and uh, the lady ran into the bathroom and she quickly took stuff out of the cabinet because she didn't want people at the prayer meeting seeing that she had medicine in her cabinet because Christians don't get sick. Of course, my wife died an inch a day of cancer, but and she was the first person to die in that church. Now, do you think that was upsetting to that church? Am I giving you a picture here? This is a wonderful Pentecostal church, a charismatic church, big church. Lots of bondage. And uh, my wife that passed on, she was an incredible actress. And she had her degree in English literature and uh, plays and drama. And she was good. But she was a humorist. And uh, she was a beautiful woman. She was a homecoming queen at the university, that type of person. But they said, could you guys put on a a skit Wednesday night at the young people's service? We can't say no. Is that bondage? No wasn't in our vocabulary, and it wasn't in hers either. And uh, sure, we'll be there, but we all had the flu. But we went down there and put that skit on, just sharing the d- disease with everybody else there. <laughs> but everybody got a big kick out of the humorous play we went on, and just sharing, spreading the joy. <laughs> <laughs> but but I was uh, under bondage here for years because. Dorman and Wayne and others would lay out these things. I thought, how can that be? How can that be? And uh, then last, uh, two Tuesdays ago, it was just like a, a salvation experience all over again. I just got set free. And uh, I, I've been at peace for 12 days. Peace, peace for 12 days. You've been your whole life in peace, not me. I love the peace. Hallelujah. Yes. There is no peace to the religious, saith the Lord. 
Yes. Has anybody else got anything God's put on your heart? What just happened here was that the window of heaven got opened up for freedom from religious bondage. That is what just happened here, is the window of heaven. And you know, we're not going to move from this because God wants to do it here. Amen. I tell you what, if he did it for you, Bob, he'll do it. He's already done it for the whole world. I have been there. I know what you mean. Right now, in Jesus' name, I speak over everyone, and I stick out the olive branch. The dove is sticking the olive branch out this morning, and he is saying, peace. He is saying peace right now. And I speak peace in Jesus' name. I don't care what the waters look like. I declare that we don't have to build that boat. Jesus is our ark. And that's where we go into right now in Jesus' name. And I release you from religious bondage right now in Jesus' name. I release you from dead works of the law to try to figure it out and wonder how this is all going to work out. It's not for us to decide. It's for us to enjoy what he has already done. And I release that over you right now in Jesus' name. And, oh, Holy Spirit, I ask you from this day forward. See, it happened on the day of the time changed. Time has changed for us in Jesus' name. The time has changed. It has. We, we have grabbed hold of an change and it's brought about a change in Jesus name. So I declare Holy Spirit that we receive you right now. That whenever we go to underdo an endeavor, let it be with the freedom and the grace and the liberty of the new covenant and not under bondage to the Mosaic covenant in Jesus' name. I thank you, Father, that you're in the season of blessing those who have misbehaved. (laughs) Father, those who have misbehaved, the prodigals right now, when they come in this door, we're going to release them from performing for us to prove that they're okay and we can welcome them back into the fold again. We say, come on in right now in Jesus' name. Jesus name and just said in the peace and the fragrance of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Whew. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Come on up, Ken. Let me just share something with you around this religious realm. I think part of it. Somebody asked me how often I pray, when do I pray? You get down on your knees, you do all that. And I basically said, you know, when this Larry Lee thing came along, couldn't you not tarry one hour? And I tried to tarry one hour for a year or so, and just every time I tried to tarry, I'd go to sleep. <laughs> oh, yeah, out there. And the fasting thing and the praying and all that. You know, I spent too much of my life trying to fast and pray to get something instead of because I was something. And I'm not saying fasting's wrong, but when Paul talks about in fastings often... A lot of times what he was saying is, I didn't have anything to eat. He didn't have a choice. But you know, Jesus said what? They came to him and said, why does your disciples not fast and John's do? And he said, can the children of the groom fast while he's with them? The days when I leave, then they will fast. But how many of you know he said he'd never leave us nor forsake us? See, prayer is not an event that you do. Prayer is in a relationship with him every day. When it says pray without ceasing, what that means is you live your life in prayer with him. I don't have a time I pray. I don't have a time I do certain things. I just live. I just be in him. And that's freedom. And who the sun sets free is free indeed. If you've got a ritual or something you have to do because you think that's what it is to please God, I want to tell you something. He's already made you pleasing. You can't get any more pleasing than you already are. It's not, a, it's not that you need to do anything else, but just to be what he's made you to be. He did it all. It is finished. You know, so, Pastor, you're going off. No, I'm not going off because we live our life in him. We live our life by his faith, and everything we have is in him. And so, you know, enjoy it. Religion has taken us from into a realm that's not too enjoyable. I just wanted to confirm what Lori was telling you earlier. The Holy Spirit is going to bring that hidden thing out. That hidden thing that's been brought out right now is peace. Receive it. Dwell in it. It's the peace of the Christ himself. 
I wasn't going to say anything, but when Bob was sharing, you know me, the gifts are kind of the thing that the Lord set me in. But I don't think you realize the magnitude of what happened in, in Bob's life. You know, Bob's a prophet. And for any of you that really understand the prophet nature, Bob was living the life of a prophet. Things were either of God or they were not of God. So he spent his entire being being of God because it's black and white. There is no middle ground in his life. No middle ground. So he poured himself into that, which became his his bondage. And there was no release in that because it was just struggle. This congregation has opened its doors to prophets. Why? Because of things just like this. We understand the gifting of the prophet. We understand, or we should, understand the value of the prophet. So I just wanted you to understand that that it's for us to see that release is one thing, but for a prophet to get a hold of that peace, they live their life in turmoil because they're trying so hard to be of God. They're striving in their own power to be of God. And what God's saying is that that's the way I made you. I made you that way. You're unique, but every one of us, it gets back to the peace. Every one of us in our gifting can have the full abundance of that peace. And if you're not living in that peace, then you're not living in your gift. Yeah, Prince of Peace. Any, anybody else? Any other prophets want to say anything? Come on, George. You're here for some reason. <laughs> uh, I just want to share something the way the Lord's been dealing with me the last few weeks. And he was, he's talking about that prophetic gifting and the prophetic aspect of my life. And he said it's said, if you will, uh, and I said, Lord, how come seems at times that it, it doesn't flow like I, I really would like for it to flow? He says, well, it, you're the problem. It's not me. It's that you're the problem. He says, you're not relaxed and you're not. He said, but you're coming to the point where you're, you're getting it. It's, you know, it's going to be hard to distinguish the two as you flow in me. It's just going to be in you all the time. And you're going to recognize it. See, sometimes we don't recognize it. And I remember uh, there's, and, and it's amazing, I, I'll do it and then I'll say something. It's just, to me, it's just like I'm just saying something. And somebody said, oh, man, I needed to hear that today. That's just what I needed to hear. And I was thinking, yeah. Tuesday, mm-hmm. this, this gentleman that was there, yeah. he come up and sat halfway through the meeting. And, and I said something, I, and I had my little say something deal. And he, he said, man, I got what I needed today. And I thought, well, I didn't know that. But it was that prophetic anointing coming out of me. And the Lord says, just relax. And <laughs> see, as you relax, it's not meaning that you're not going to be a prophet anymore. But it's just going to flow so much easier. And um, so that being said. But I do want to share one thing on the hope issue. And I, just, I shared it with Lori. As the word of the Lord came through cutie pie back there. Uh, <laughs> Ashley, I know it is. She's a cutie pie. But anyway, about hope, honey. That you, and you, you just don't ever want to say that you didn't hear from the Lord because you heard exactly from the Lord what he wanted you to say. But the Lord was speaking to me about hope. Hope without faith, it, 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 it leads nothing to the, but destruction. The enemy's always attacking your hope. And just like what happened to Lori, see, she had a hope in this house. Mm-hmm. But it's, and, and if, if she went strictly on hope... You're like, well, what am I going to do now, God? But faith has to be implanted. The Lord spoke to me one time and said, faith must be implanted in hope. It's, uh, what, is, what does the scripture say? Faith, if, if your hope is not without faith. So her faith is in, my God is still on the throne concerning this house. And as she prays, God will, will get this realigned. But he did bring this up. Uh, and and it, the enemy would make it look like, well, what's used to you know, this ain't going to work. 
But faith must be implanted in hope because faith is the rock that hope uh, is, uh, is able to stand in. You know, we all have hope, but our faith must be in that hope. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. Is that all you got to say? You don't say anything else? No? Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Any of the rest of the prophets got anything to say? <laughs> Ephesians 1 6, it's a good word in it. To the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made you highly favored. Highly favored. He hath already made you highly favored. And if you're highly favored, you can't get any more favored than that. Huh? Just get over it. If you don't feel highly favored, what difference it make? I want to give you some testimony. Lori, thank you for being obedient this morning. That's exactly what I needed. My brother and I had an opportunity to pray for a cousin of ours. Neither one of us felt anointed to go do it. Doing it out of sheer obligation. I knew the Holy Spirit told us to do it. Just didn't really... Was all excited about going and doing it. But obedience in knowing in who we are and what we were created to be. God had been diagnosed with cancer. Had a mass in his right lung, size of a baseball. Holy Spirit said, go pray for him before he goes to the doctor. Okay. This was on a latter part of the week. He was going that following Monday. That Sunday afternoon, went and prayed for him. Didn't really feel particularly anointed to pray for what we were praying, but did what we were called to do. This was about a month ago. I got a call this last Monday. He called me. He couldn't even talk. All he could say was, I'm cancer-free. That's all he could say was, I'm cancer-free. I have to agree with that. He was one of the ones that probably didn't deserve it. (laughs) What does that tell you? What does that, yeah, what does that tell you? No respecter of person. <laughs> bad belief is worse than bad His behavior. living girlfriend was there praying with us. That's, that's, that's the God we serve. He said, I'm cancer free. That blew me away as much as it did him. Because we just really didn't feel like doing what we did, but we did it anyway. Bob... It's touching to me to hear that this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Because I feel like I've gotten to know you well over this last year. Yes. To know you've been set free. Long time coming. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Welcome. Thank you. <laughs> you shall go out with joy and be led with what, Bob? With peace. peace. I want to share a testimony about our youngest daughter in this word today. Ashley, where are you? Thank you. You reminded me about a word that the Lord spoke to me personally several years ago about hope. And um, when our youngest daughter, so thank you for that very much. Our youngest daughter has been in a situation for the last three years that's been uh, kind of breaking my heart and breaking her big sister's heart because she wasn't raised that way. But God doesn't see things the way I see things. He doesn't see, you know, I see a situation and I have this preconceived religious idea, Mm -hmm. but God doesn't see that person in that way. Just like that song, God doesn't see me the way I see me. You know, I'm hidden in Christ. Well, those who I have the blood of Jesus applied to, regardless of what situation they get in, that blood is effective, you know? And it takes precedence over every situation, even the evil (laughs) that would be said it, you know? And... This past week, we got a call from our daughter. Well, actually, we didn't get a call. (laughs) We saw it on Facebook. (laughs) 
And she lives in Chicago, so I have two kids that live in war zones. I have a son that lives in Afghanistan. He's been there for three years, and I have a daughter who lives in Chicago, and she's lived there for probably four or five years. So they both live in war zones. I tell you, I can get a package from my son to Afghanistan in less time than I can get it from here to Chicago. I kid you not. (laughs) It's hilarious. But anyway, uh, so they both live in war zones, but they're both equipped to live in war zones also because they've been taught and they know uh, who they are in Christ Jesus. Now, they have not always walked and talked and done the things that they were taught, but mom and daddy still have that blood applied. And I took that word that you said, Mike, to um, your family because that was a word to us too because things have changed this week they have changed significantly the time has changed in our family's life and let me tell you what happened she went into a little taco place in the midst of where she lives in chicago and she ate and she went up to the counter and she paid and she set her her billfold down on the counter and then she put it after she paid she put it in her pocket well when she walked out the door and got in the car she didn't have her billfold in her pocket She thought, what happened? And there had been a guy in the midst of that restaurant and uh, that was walking around doing something. I don't know what, selling something or whatever. So she thought to herself, that guy pickpocketed me. So you got to know our daughter. She wasn't just going to roll over. She walked back in there and she confronted that person and got her billfold back. (laughs) She recovered her billfold. Well, we we found out about that. On Facebook, my husband had been on Facebook that day, and and he said, "Hey, guess what happened to Cindy?" Well, you don't have to go on to read it because I I couldn't say that what she said about it. But anyway, <laughs> um, uh, in the midst of that, when I kept texting her, I said, "Hey, call us when you can, you know, and tell us what happened." And so she finally got a hold of her dad, and I got a hold of her later that evening. And long story short, the situation that's been going on for three years is now severed. And she is in a place where she has got the passion back. She's got her inspiration back. She knows without a doubt that what God has spoken, she is in line with and agrees with. Before she was born, the Lord spoke to me two things about her, that she was an inspiration to her generation and a songbird for Jesus. And she writes music. She's the director of a small um, music school in Chicago, works with a lot of um, underprivileged kids in school situations. And anyway, um, she just this week said, Mom, you know, I don't care if I have to live on the streets. I'm going to go and do what God, you know, has cut me out to do because I see now that having the wrong person in my life affects your spiritual atmosphere and hinders, you know, you from receiving. And um, I said, yeah, that's right. (laughs) And, uh, but, but, but what's so cool is y'all, we never spoke to her and said, well, you ought not to be, you know, you can't, you shouldn't, you know, all these kind of things. It's like, we just had to kick back and say, God, you are Lord over this situation. You know, her, her older sister came to me when the immediately, you know, three or four years ago when it all happened. I said, you know what, Christy? I said, she's grown. Mm-hmm. I said, and she is, she knows what's right. right. And I said, I am not about to leave her at that spot without her, you know, my influence and my husband's influence over her. You know, I think sometimes when we see situations, we walk off too soon and, and, and we think in our mind, what we should do. But yet, there's that peace that's beyond understanding that when we just back up and let God do it, he can do it without anybody getting damaged. And the most miraculous thing is this fellow that she had lived with, um, it's like an amicable release. He's the one, and he isn't even spirit-filled. Or He's the one that recognized, he said, Cindy, he said, you need to be going and singing your songs for the world. I can't do that with you. You need to go and do that and, and, and do your thing. And I thought that was so amazing to me that God used the mouthpiece who would be more effective in her life than I. You know, I mean, God is so good. He is so absolutely amazingly effective at what he can do 
without my help, <laughs> you know, without my motherly influence, uh, you know, because there came a point when I couldn't even really talk to her about the things of the Lord. She was had a, a wall there. You know, and now it's like I can say stuff to her and I can I can sense that peace between between us again. And, uh, you know, no man can stand. And defy the love of God, you know, it's the love of God that. Absolutely. I mean, it's the most powerful thing on the face of the earth. There can, there's no weapon formed against that love that will prosper. You know, it pulls down every stronghold. And I was thinking about you, Bob. That love of God pulled down that stronghold in your life, and you're going to have a fruitful, peaceful... There's going to be more joy in your life right here <laughs> in the years that come. You just it's, you get ready. You get ready. It's... It's coming, and you're going to enjoy it like you have never enjoyed God and and His fruitfulness and His good goodness and and it's going to be it's ah it's both of you. <laughs> it is both of you. You just get ready. Hallelujah! I believe it. Hallelujah! Get ready for much more. Hallelujah! In Jesus' name. You know that living by the strength of another, and we'll get that sometime. But one of the things that came up when Marion said when, when, what all Paul went through, but he said what? None of these things move me that I might finish my course with joy. Now, why is that important? All of you that stood that's going through something right now, everybody that's going through something, listen to this. Why? The joy of the Lord is your what? Your strength. Paul was able to finish his course and all he went through because he maintained the joy. Scripture says with joy shall you draw water out of the wells of salvation. And it's righteousness, peace, and joy in what? The Holy Ghost. So it's important to maintain your joy level in this battle because what is it? You, you know, when it, what does it say? The joy of the Lord is your strength. When in Nehemiah, I was going to read Nehemiah today, but when they was started reading the law, they began to weep and cry. Well, if we started reading the law around here, you'd weep and cry too. Come on, give me, don't shout me down. All right. And he said, they said, what? This is a day of glad tidings. Don't be weeping and mourning, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Amen. It is. So what I'm saying is, since I didn't get to that part, whatever you're going through, maintain your joy. And how do you do that? Praying in the Holy Ghost. You may not see it. You may not feel it. You may not want to know what's going on. But keep the, your Holy Ghost joy alive. Because it will renew your strength. And if you need a little, come over and he got plenty of it. He'll just pour a little out on you. Because a merry heart doeth good like a medicine. Amen. Steve, uh, you know when the Jesus came to the woman to well and he said to her, Go get your husband. She said, I don't have one. He said, yeah, you've had five. Yeah, you've had five of them. And he that you're living with now is not your husband. But you know what he said to her? He wasn't religious. He said he didn't tell her to go repent or go do Hail Marys. He said, if you just ask, I'll give you living water, and you'll thirst no more. How is that contrary to our religious system most of us was raised in? He come with a new and living way. And what about the woman taken in adultery? What he said, who are those that condemn you? I don't condemn you either. Go and sin no more. See, it, it is a new and living way. Steve, can you you remember enough about that one little story that you could at least kind of hit the highlights of Bill Johnson, that book about the couple that was in adultery? Well, yeah, come just tell briefly. I was shocked at the way they handled it because, you know, we're a restoration center, and that's what we do with people. But I didn't know other people were working in this realm of restoration that defies religious things that we've done in the past. Well, this book, uh, one of the pastors there at Bethel Church in uh, California uh, wrote the book, and the first chapter he starts off telling this story. As you probably know, they have a school there for 
whoever's called to enter into it. In fact, we know some of the students that are there now. Uh, several hundred students are there most of the time. And um, in the summer between the, the two years that they go, uh, they learned that this couple who had planned to be married uh, had been sexually active and were pregnant. Now, this is in a school that is held very high in high esteem by many around the world uh, of doing the things of God. And, of course, that doesn't look very godly. Uh, I, I think they were, when, they, when the revelation of this came, they were hit with the fact that this is going to affect the entire reputation of, of the school and the ministry that they have there in in a, a negative way. But as they prayed and asked for God's guidance, his, uh, his way of dealing with the problem, if you want to call it that, was, was quite different. And they brought the couple in, talked to them about what had happened, asked the couple, uh, what did you do wrong? What, what happened? Yeah, what's the problem? And, uh, of course, it was pretty obvious on the, on the outward level what the problem was. But he kept asking them the question, and he knew what he was, was trying to get to. And the problem was that they had some things in their heart that were built from their past religious ways, like Bob was talking, uh, that manifested in the in the way that that the story went i can't tell the whole story because it'd take too long you can read the book but uh ultimately they brought restoration to to each of this couple's lives uh by forgiving them and by bringing them back under their wing and and restoring them and not just the the leadership of the church but the entire population of the school were, were involved in this. And, of course, some of the people <laughs> didn't want to handle it that way. They wanted to uh, require some, some time and some penance and, and various forms of things to pass. But God was leading them to, to restore them and not just the leadership but the, the whole school. And, and that's ultimately what happened. And, and this couple, each, each of these people were just so um, famished with, with the love that was given to them in the face of, the, of their very obvious sin uh, that they really were restored. And uh, it's quite a story. And, and, and they got married. The, the child was born. And similar to uh, a biblical story, the, the child uh, was very sick and, and almost died, and they, they had a lot of prayer and, and healing took place. But the, the story that, that I think Dorman's talking about is what we have in our name, restoration. That's what life's all about in God. That's, that's what God's doing when he sent his son, he was restoring people to himself, to, to real life. And, and we have to get a hold of that. And that's what they did there. And, and you have a couple and a, and a child and, and really a whole school that was able to see and experience restoration in a way that most of them never had seen before. Bob just gave testimony uh, he, he's been restored, even in spite of 30-something years of, of bondage. God's restored him. Everybody that, that knows this message can say that. You've been restored to the God who is our Father. Hallelujah. Well... Where'd I start? Um, huh? You said left hand corner. Okay. 
Um, you remember after Jesus' death, Peter and the boys decided they want to go fishing. And they fished all night. Caught nothing. That's right. Not nothing. And so uh, Jesus come on the scene, stand on the shore. And uh, he said, children, have you any meat? And he said, no, you know, ain't caught nothing. Throw the net on the right side and you shall find. Okay, then they did. And uh, they found a net-breaking boatload of fish that God gave them. They was right there. But they fished on the wrong side of the boat. And so um, Peter said, <clears throat> Peter said, uh, somebody said, it is the Lord. And Peter left the boatload of fish and I swam over to the, the uh, shore said, Oh Lord, depart from me, a sinful man. You know, he just felt that he just, his humanity come in contact with God's holiness. And that's just all he could say, you know. Just depart from me, a sinful man. And I'm sure that don't really express all the depths of his feeling, what he's really feeling. So in that situation, which come first? The boatload of fish or Peter's repentance? And uh, so religion would say, you sorry old sinner, you, you better repent so that you might have God's blessing. So what God wants to know is, um, which came first? The boatload of fish or Peter's repentance? Yes. To repentance. Yeah, the goodness of God leads you to repentance. And so, I saw like a, uh, y'all got that I think. So, uh, I saw this cardboard box that had some children's toys in it like, you know. And they were like neatly and sort of in order. Somebody turned that box upside down and everything was in complete disarray. Okay, and the Lord came and turned that box back, just turned it right side up again. And when he did, every toy and every piece was in complete order and in complete harmony. And I believe that's the word, that's this church, you know. And because half our people's gone every Sunday there, going, working in, in Encounter the Cross Retreats or Walk to Emmaus or just... God's sending people out everywhere. And so when he turns it right side up, everything is going to be in complete uh, order and harmony. And um, um, I believe this is the peace that was spoken about, the peace and the hope is going to be the hallmark of this church. Yes, that's good. That's, going to be known for that. that's good.